Morning, church. My name is Jerome. I'm the Associate Minister here at St Mark's, if you haven't met me. Um, And I'd like to begin, actually, where Andrew left off last week, and that is, I indeed believe God is always more willing to speak than we are to listen. And so I'd like us to take a moment, just of silence, and remind ourselves of God's presence with us here now and of his willingness to speak. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. This term, um, with the youth, we are looking at um, the body of Christ. We want to reflect on what the body of Christ is, and one of the ways I thought that we could do that is by inviting members of the body of Christ to come and share their testimonies, to bear witness to God in their lives. And so that's been happening um, And if you are not aware of how that happens, that happens uh, approximately fortnightly. We head up to the um, upper lounge and uh, and so far we've had two testimonies. And I'm hoping that in that, um, that's an encouragement to the young people to think about and to reflect upon how God, how they experience God uh, so that they might bear witness. Uh, But actually I'm also hoping that it's an encouragement to all of us as well that as I invite people to come and share their testimonies and as I share this with you now, that we'll all be thinking about the fact that we're all called to share our testimony and bear witness to God. That some of you might think, well, I'm a bit nervous to share my testimony. Uh, Too bad because you're a living testimony. You're You're a living testimony. You're bearing witness. Unbelievers share testimonies all the time. We're all living testimonies. We bear witness to what we believe. And so one of the things um, I'm reflecting upon as I look at Psalm 96 is when we think about worship, worship is a way in which we express what we believe. We come and we testify. We bear witness to what we believe. And I think the Psalms are a good place to look at when we want to think about worship and how we're testifying. Psalms are a good place to start. It was after the exile that the Psalms were compiled and they were used almost like the hymn book or the liturgy for worship. And so it's a good place to look and take our cues from. And so what might our worship look like as we gather? Uh, I'm interested in looking at some of the verbs Uh, particularly in this psalm. Sing, 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 praise, proclaim, declare, ascribe, 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 bring an offering, worship the Lord, tremble, rejoice, be glad, resound, be jubilant, sing for joy, rejoice before the Lord. It's quite expressive. Uh, What do we mean by proclaim and declare? Well, whenever the Bible reader gets up, they're not just reading the Bible, they're proclaiming and they're declaring. 
An unbeliever can read the Bible, but only a Christian can proclaim and declare. Reading is a means, speaking is a means. The end is to proclaim and declare. It's asking something more of us. So is it similar with singing. To sing. Um, ask those that sing if, they, if, if, there's, if the nerves take hold too much. It can actually be difficult to hit the notes. I've had that experience um, <laughs> publicly. Um, still recovering. Um, God is healing. But um, requires a degree of confidence. It, it asks something more of you to sing. And, and if you don't feel like singing, that's really asking something of you, isn't it? And, and to rejoice, be glad, resound, be jubilant, sing for joy, rejoice before the Lord. If you've got this passage open before you, you'll go, well, hang on, Jerome, some of those last verbs there, rejoice, be glad, resound, be jubilant, sing for joy, rejoice before the Lord, that's, that's creation, that's the earth doing those things. Well, we should take our cues from creation because for creation there is no confusion. Creation is doing what it was created to do. We acknowledge there's brokenness in creation, but in a sense... Creation isn't confused, it's reflecting the glory of God. Um, it might be reminiscent to you of Jesus entering Jerusalem and his disciples ascribe to him royalty, that, that this is the king. And the Pharisees say, Jesus, rebuke your disciples, tell them to be silent. He says, if they remain silent, even the stones will cry out. Creation knows Creation rejoices. Creation reflects the glory of God. We could take our cues from creation. And to ascribe something is to attribute or credit something as belonging to something else. That is, in this context, to ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. If we're talking about glory and if we're talking about strength, we're talking about God. These things are of God. What is it like for us to head out into our week? When we see beauty, do we know the source of beauty? Can we ascribe that to God? When we see wisdom, do we ascribe that to God? Do we know where these things come from? And particularly some of those emotive verbs like sing and rejoice and be glad and resound and be jubilant, they're an authentic part of our expression of worship. I'd like to say a whole lot more about emotions because there's even things that we need to think about in terms of caution about that. Emotions can't become central, but nor should they be divorced from our worship. They're a part of who we are. But I do have a psalm in a few weeks' time that I think will lend itself to speaking more about that. But what does it mean to sing a new song to the Lord? So in this worshipping of the Lord, what is it to sing a new song? I don't think it's simply a new content or new ideas. 
particularly in the context of this psalm, I think it tells us quite quickly what it means to sing a new song. Sing a song, sing a new song to the Lord, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, praise his name, proclaim his salvation day after day. I think that's what it is to sing a new song, that it's continuous praise, that today when we woke up, how does the gospel impact us? What does it mean for us? And as we respond to the goodness of God in Jesus today, that is a new song today. It expresses itself today. And tomorrow it will express itself in new ways. If I will reflect, if we will reflect on the good news of God in Jesus This is what it means to sing a new song. But what might be something of the content um, of our worship? Um, I think it's there as we continue to read on that we worship the Lord who reigns. Right there in the middle of our psalm. Worship the Lord in the splendour of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nation, the Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. What does it mean that the Lord reigns? How does a ruler or a king reign? Through their judgments, through their decrees, through their carrying out of justice. And you'll see that that idea of judging comes up uh, further on. He judges the peoples with equity, with fairness, with justice. Um, Verse 13, let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. In fact, for this psalmist, God's righteous and faithful judgments are the foundation of his continual praise. If I read verse 13 again, let all creation rejoice before the Lord for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. So the basis of his rejoicing is that he knows that God is coming to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. I'm conscious and aware that sometimes when we use the word judge, we often think of the wrath of God or the punishment of God. But this is clearly for the psalmist a a thing to rejoice over. There is a confident joy in God's judgments. That God's righteous judgments, uh, and I think particularly for Israel, that in God's righteous judgments, they experience salvation. They have experienced God as saviour time and time again. Even when they've been unfaithful, God comes through and he's faithful. And I think for us, when we think about salvation, we think even, or have a greater revelation in Jesus of what that means. And I'll come back to that in a moment. But the big test of our testimony is, does the Lord reign in our life? Is that what people see? Do they see the Lord reigning in our life? And then I think, finally, this psalm, um, who is called and exhorted to worship the Lord? 
Well, all the earth, the nations, all creation. Quite often you think about who's called to worship. Well, the people of God are called to worship. Well, in Psalm 96, all creation is called to worship. Uh, It says, sing to the Lord all the earth. Tremble before him all the earth. Let the heavens, let the earth, let the sea and all that is in it, let the fields, let all the trees of the forest, let all creation worship the Lord. And before whom do we worship and declare God's glory? Well, declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. I, I, a big significant aspect of corporate worship for me is the edification of the body of Christ. That as we gather, we are built up. That as we gather and worship in the presence of God, we're transformed from glory to glory. For me, that's a significant aspect of what corporate worship is about. But here in Psalm 96, we see that our worship itself is also about declaring his glory among the nations his marvellous deeds among all peoples. That this is a significant aspect of our worship. Or another way to ask it is, how or what would it be for us to consider, say, in our corporate or public worship services, if we were to see these as testimonies to the glory of God among all people, how would that look like for us? What would it look like to have that in view? Or to put it more simply, how is our worship missional? This is at least part of the basis of thinking about starting a new worship service. If you haven't heard that, that we are thinking about that, and next year that'll be more in our thinking. We'll be reflecting upon commencing a new worship service. And part of that is missional. But I think there may be others that might join us to worship, maybe if it was at another time. That's just one part of thinking about starting another worship service, that there's a missional aspect of it. And when we continue to think about declaring his glory among the nations, that that our worship, our gathering together, and our worship in our lives as we head out, that this is all a testimony This is all testifying and through both good experiences and bad experiences, both of my testimonies and listening to others, I can tell you a good testimony is a God testimony. A good testimony is a God testimony. That is a testimony that reveals God as glorious. That if I'm bearing witness to God, I'm not the hero of the story. That if I'm sharing a testimony... It's the glory of God that's being revealed. That it's not me, it's not St Mark's, but it's the glory of God that people are captivated by. And all creation is reflecting the glory of God. And the church is especially called to do so. How does our worship testify to the surpassing worth and glory of a God who loves all he has created 
especially all people, and longs for them to know his love. How does our worship testify to the worth and glory of such a God? I think God's glory is most magnificently seen in Jesus. I'm going to read to you from Revelation, which all on its own could require another whole sermon, but we won't. Um, But as I read to you from Revelation, um, not explaining all the bits and all the difficult parts and all the symbolic language, a lamb with seven horns and seven eyes, as strange as that might appear, uh, the lamb, obviously, the lamb of God, Jesus, horn, symbol of authority, seven, perfect, perfect authority, eyes, insight, wisdom, perfect wisdom. Um, I'm not going to explain too much more, but from what we've just read from Psalm 96, as, as we've explored, that we're called to worship the Lord. And the content of that worship is we're worshiping the Lord who reigns. And we're doing this, declaring his glory among the nations. And I said that it was good for us to look at the Psalms and take our cues from the Psalms. Well, what we get in the book of Revelation, it's almost like the curtain is drawn back and you get a glimpse into the worship taking place in the heavenlies. And we are citizens of the kingdom of God. We can take our cues from the worship taking place. We can listen in to the eternal song being sung in the heavenlies, the song that we are called to sing here and now. And so I'm going to read and I want you to listen. Part of the text will appear on the screen, but not all of it. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain, standing at the centre of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song. They sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the, and on the sea and all that is in them saying, To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honour and glory and power for ever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. There is such praise in the heavenlies because of the good news of Jesus, the Lamb who was slain, who has purchased, who has redeemed people from all tribes and nations. We are representatives of that. 
we are called to join in in this song of declaring praise and worship to Jesus. When we think about God's judgment, it sometimes is a two-sided thing. God loves all that he has created and he longs for all creation, all people to know this love. But he has given us choice. But this is indeed good news that God in his righteous judgment, it is right that he should punish sin. It is right that his wrath should be known. And it was. The fullness of his wrath like never before seen or known, was put upon Christ. And we were spared. This is good news. This is the righteous judgment of God. It's righteous because sin is not ignored. It is punished. But God, in his love, in his righteousness, saves us through Jesus. And the righteousness which is Jesus becomes ours. But what is it to meditate on this in such a way that it's a personal reality? You've probably heard all of this before. What is it to cultivate practices that bring this to bear upon our hearts in such a way that truly there is a new song in our hearts day after day after day, that we will never stop singing the praises of God, of the glory of God in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that we need to cultivate, like a garden, there needs to be weeding done, like here on Saturday. There needs to be a cultivation of the garden a cultivation of our hearts. That is a work, it's a discipline. We have to be aware that there's so much working against that. Because when we see the glory of God, we will love him. But we have to cultivate practices, we have to cultivate disciplines so that we might see the glory of God. How does our worship here, testify to the surpassing worth and glory of a God who loves all he has created, especially all people, and longs for them to know his love. Open our lips, O Lord, and we shall declare your praise. Amen.